1: States. It's a worldwide phenomenon.
0: Hi, this is Sean Cahill, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to a bonus show for That UFO Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since I've done anything other than the main interviews on the show and you're about to get a few in quick succession. Really excited for this one and it's something a little bit different than what I've done on my usual shows. It's not someone or a group who have been part of a TV show even though they have appeared on TV to plug what we're going to talk about. Um, This is to do with a new exciting video game coming out and of course it is UFO and alien related. On the line with me I've got Jim Yakes from snaketakes.com. That's Snake Takes Studios. Jim, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for having us on.
1: No, absolute pleasure. Listen, you got in touch with me a little while ago um, and shared the the website for the game. And I went on and expecting as we've just been talking about before recording, you know, a low level indie game and that's not to take anything away from indie games. You know, I've, I've played consoles and stuff my whole life, not a huge, huge gamer like, like many would be, but I, I would put myself down as, you know, a computer game enthusiast. I listen to podcasts on it and I was blown away by just the quality and the scale of some of the youtube clips and what you guys are looking to do and if you go on that website now not to jump too far ahead but you're talking ps5 xbox series x ps4 pc steam there is a whole load on there that we're going to get to as well I think what's going to get people's interest straight away, though, especially those who listen to this podcast, but maybe don't necessarily have a huge interest in gaming themselves. There is a quote on the website that gets your attention straight away. Now, the game's called End of the Beginning, and I'll post the trailers for it on the feed when this is released. But the quote on the website, Jim, is it's the first game in history to give players a glimpse into the reality of alien life on Earth. Now, that got my attention. That's going to get other people's attention. What do you mean by that? Well,
0: see, disclosure has been attempted in so many different forms so far. Like we have, you know, newspaper articles, uh, magazines, uh, made for TV, TV series, feature films, documentaries, but never gaming. And that struck me as odd as gaming has become progressively more and more the de facto place for the bulk of our entertainment um, now surpassing the total reach of the film and the music industry combined and i figured you know what what better vehicle to bring this to the masses especially the ones that were targeting the youth of today um you know the zeitgeist put your finger right on the pulse if you will and figure out what was the best vehicle for this. And video games was like the inevitable answer. Um, We looked at it as documentaries, is kind of the number one place I absorb most of my material, second to that magazines like Shadow and so forth. But the penetration to the youth seemed to be kind of an obvious, you know, elephant in the room, never been done before um, playground of video games. And being a video gamer myself, we were like, you know what, this is a huge missed opportunity to get the ufology community and just alien nuts like myself. I don't necessarily consider myself a ufologist. I consider myself first and foremost an alien nut after my own personal experiences. Um, But get the ufology and alien nut community combined with the gaming community and playing together for the first time in a cohesive way, and that's something that's never been even really attempted Um, thus far and that's why we were like you know what we gotta do this we have to be we got to push for this to happen because the youth of today and this is a personal belief of mine but the youth of today are really um unaware i guess is the best word of a lot of what's going on and they're savvy like these kids today, it's like, you know, you've got children yourself, they're savvy, they know by age six, seven, they're ready to start absorbing some of this information, because they're already asking those questions And whatever they're, you know, taking, for example, my son's in the Catholic school, so they're asking questions about God and reality and the size of the universe and so forth, and this is one of those questions that really needs to be asked, and a lot of people have kind of given up on that quest, especially as you get progressively younger and younger. I think the 35-plus crowd, you know, 35 to 70, uh, we're doing fine. We're always going to be championing for disclosure, but we're really leaving behind the the bulk of the human citizens that are allowed, the kids, right, the children. That's the ones that are really going to make this either happen or not happen i think is the, the the point is there you know you see the movements like occupy wall street um everything and anything in that that circle or that umbrella of movement and disclosure has kind of been left behind in a certain degree it's been left up to individuals who are so high up the chain the message isn't really leaving the chamber room so to speak um, you have, like, uh, individuals like uh, Louis Alexander, um Chris Mellon, and so forth, trying to uh, remove the stigma from ufology and the study of real-life alien existences. Um, but they're trying to remove it specifically from politics, which is a noble effort for sure, but again, it's, it's focusing on individuals who may or may not matter at this point in time the you know the average senator being 55 plus i believe right now um that's where we're focused and that's what the idea the initial and the initiative um behind this was the uh inception of the idea came from what is the best vehicle to put this disclosure we've been inside of and once we realized that it had never been done before in video games it became obvious that the where we had to focus our
1: efforts. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome, I'll, and that's something I've talked about myself on some of the shows, as like the the youth of today. And you're right, when you've got that market of not only like when I was younger, I'm I'm 34, so I'm just one year behind that 35 demo you talk about, but right. I, I'm definitely in there. But you've you've got a generation that I grew up with, like the PlayStation, the Nintendo, the Mega Drive, PS2, and then started hitting my late teens, early twenties, and life kind of gets in the way and it sucks to be an adult as we all know um (laughs) but that's why you don't grow up and start a podcast um but you've now got not only people interested in gaming you've got people interested in watching other people gaming and as well as that you've got people interested in watching other people commenting Will they watch other people gaming? So it's almost like inception now that you've got YouTubers watching YouTubers, watching gamers. And it's not just a case of, you know, it needs to be someone picking up and playing a game to get into that medium or get a message from it you're going to get it from various different ways so it's, it's really noble effort to go into like, the gaming industry like you say and it's a huge huge platform i've seen arguments recently especially with the the news just now where because of covid some of the cinemas are closing back down i think it's amc in the states which yeah. is linked to Cineworld world in the uk and they're about to yeah. close until february and that's awful i'm a huge movie fan as well and yeah, movies too. yeah movies are a huge you know part of like disclosure and i was just sharing things like close encounters of the third kind earlier, but like you say, video gaming is almost taken over in a huge, huge way. TV shows and film is a massive storytelling platform and a way of getting information out there. So, I mean, I played a lot of Alien-themed games growing up, including like the Alien series that I always remember being really scared of when I played as a kid, but it was really cool. The first PlayStation game I ever played was a game called Kaleek the Blood. Again, knew nothing about it. My uncle just happened to have it. Again, all kind of shoot em up, set in space. So, what makes the end of the beginning your game unique compared to all these other games? Do you think?
0: Well, it's like you were just discussing with the movies. Um, there's been such great cinematic. There's such great cinematic history with the uh, alien lore going back to like Encounters of the Third Kind, and even more recently, one I like to mention is uh, uh, the Fourth Kind with Mila Jehovich. Yeah. Um, fantastic, L- low budget for sure, and it had a limited reach, but the scope of it was gargantuan, you know, full-on disclosure in an attempt to kind of shock and awe some of us back into the reality that, you know, there's something way greater going on, and I think that's where we wanted to um, bring the game to that level, where it was, it's obviously going to be a lower budget because we're an indie studio, and we're, you know, bootstrapping this thing the whole way so far. Um, but at the same time, we wanted to shock and awe people with the grandiose nature of the storyline and the concept of the game. You know, this giant space operatic that's grounded Roddenberry in style, I guess I'd say, you know, in the vein of Gene Roddenberry, where you take elements of truth and then you build upon that, whether it be scientific truths or philosophical truths, um, that's where we wanted to have the game, the direction of the game go. And when we started out, we had to figure out a way to do it without being too, um, what's the best word? Preaching, I guess. We didn't want to, you know, all right, Andrew, this is exactly how it is. You got to believe this is the truth. You know, we're the gospel, so to speak. Rather, we wanted to be um, more the inquisitive game, I guess, if it were, um, the franchise, the go-to franchise for the ufologist or the alien nut or the, you know, even just the sci-fi nerd like myself who loves playing Doom, Quake, Crisis, so on and so forth. Um, but by infusing the game with the documents, and that's kind of the the big hook, if if there was a hook, is we're using real-life, formerly classified FOIA-release documents. So FOIA is Freedom of Information Act Request Documents, um, done through legal channels, not by us, all third-party, through ufology connections that we have in the industry. And we've basically condensed down what's freely available on the Internet, for the most part, into a really hardcore dossier of really intriguing Formerly classified files that deal directly with the intelligence gathering on real UFOs and real UAPs and real aliens potentially. And that's awesome. Um, cool.
1: That was that was something. Sorry, Jim, that, that gripped me as well because that was stated on the site that it's using former CIA documents. And again, that's ah, uh, that's something different to your standard alien or standard shoot 'em up type game. And without giving too many spoilers or too much away, if you're a a gamer or an enthusiast and you go out and pick up uh, end of the beginning, what's the storyline? What can they expect to get immersed in?
0: Well, there's kind of a a cool twist to that question. So. And this is something we had to discuss in great detail at the beginning of the game's development two, two years ago, was how are we going to present this? Because if we were presenting this as true to life, direct from document to gameplay, it would end up being more like an X-Files expose type game where you're running around dark corridors with a flashlight and a pistol. And that's not exactly the type of gameplay we we're after. We're after more of a Doom or a Crisis, um, Warframe kind of, Vast, grandiose, massive enemies, huge wet firepower, futuristic weapons, you know, insane settings. Um, so what we did is we kind of sneakily broke it down into the top layer and the bottom layer. So the top layer into the beginning, you're gonna expect a sci-fi a futuristic sci-fi first person third person shooter with visuals that are out of this world weapons that are explosive and destructive on a level rarely seen and enemies that are huge and scary but underneath that is the lore and that's where the documents come in so at the surface layer in the beginning is a slick sci-fi first-person shooter but underneath is the meat and potatoes which it was built upon so the documents act as the lore and should the player choose to go through them, some will, some won't, um, but those who do will be exposed to a deep and rich tapestry that explains, or not maybe so much explains, but exposes them to information that's not readily available. For example, like if you're gonna go and try and find like the Psalm 101 document online, if you don't know the name of the exact document, And you just type in uh uh what was the last search key search phrase uh a a u.s government encounter and protocols documents that's that's you can search various phrases but you end up finding millions of documents that are irrelevant in almost every ufology search that you do unfortunately and i think that's part of you know not to go too much into the conspiracy thing but I think that's part of their plan. is to have so much information so convoluted and so um, difficult to decipher through that it becomes, you, you stumble onto one, but to get a collection of these things that are all verified and actually formally classified is difficult at best. Um, so what we did is we boiled that down, all the documents we'd been given access to that were freely available, you know, anything that doesn't have a non-disclosure attached to it, freely available documents, but that are difficult, if not impossible in some cases to find, Boiled that down into the lore. So you end up having something akin to, again, Star Trek um, would be a good example, where Gene Roddenberry is notoriously, if you really look into his uh, um, history, he's notoriously known as hanging out with guys like Jack Parsons from JPL and so on and so forth. Some really interesting, you know, individuals to say the least, Aleister Crowley, another one, just crazy, crazy people that he used to, not crazy in the sense that they're mentally ill, but crazy in the sense that they're people who went on to change the world in their own respect, in significant ways. And Roddenberry is famously quoted as saying some of his writings were based on seances and other occult means, uh, which is fascinating because, in, in the beginning, we kind of equate the occult to aliens and vice versa and back again. And, like, one of the primary questions in the game is what if God didn't exist? What if aliens were our gods? And what if that? explained everything from religion to angels to demons and so on and so forth and that's that's a real question it's not something we're doing for clickbait we're we're asking that question in all seriousness because we believe it needs an answer and we believe that we're getting close close to maybe not answering the question outright but closer to an uh, actual intellectual discussion globally which is that's that's the end goal for the game it started off as just a video game and it ended up being a huge disclosure movement wrapped inside of a video game.
1: And that that theory itself is one that's getting more and more kudos and legs as time goes on, Even especially right now that when people talk about angels and demons, do they actually mean, you know, these creatures or entities that they've been seeing for millennia or hundreds of years before that? And, um, you know... Does it explain religion? Again, you know, they talk about all religions going back to one sun god some time ago, and was that based on whatever civilizations were around at the time having encounters with other beings? And again, it's something it's it's talked about as one of the main theories as to what's going on. So that's really interesting. As it genuinely is bringing really modern and realistic discussions and theories to the forefront through the media of gaming, and that's really cool. the studio itself we talked just before we started recording so there's it's not just yourself as much as i'm sure you'd love to take all the credit but there is a a team at snake takes uh, studios working on the game do you want to tell us a little bit about the team and just within the team what's the general consensus on the ufo uap subject
0: yeah so we're a very small team all local artists um i there are two primaries i guess that i i should really speak of Alex Kinnear and um, Nikolai Eltsov. They're the two lead engineers that are really reframing the game engine to fit and suit the game's needs. Um, but we have, you know, a bunch of really great guys working here, really talented people that are very passionate about the project itself. And I think that's that's the main um advantage we have going for us or if you can name two that's skill and passion really it's not budget budget if we were reliant on budget we'd be dead in the water but um skill and passion has brought us a long ways because a lot of us not all of us there are a couple on the team who are still quite skeptical um leaning more towards the religious side if anything um but the bulk of the team all really see this as something larger than just another game. It's Again, we see this as hopefully being the franchise, the go-to franchise for this sort of information going forward because we have um, three games written and there's a fourth one being written right now to kind of round everything off. It's going to, if you were, cap it off for the the series um, opener. But, yeah, the team's really excited. We What we've accomplished with so little, um, you know, it's nothing short of spectacular in my eyes. They What they've done um, with so little, not only time, two years really isn't a whole lot for a video game of this nature. Um, and to c- get it to a playable alpha where we feel confident in showing people now what our vision for this thing is, Um it makes me proud to be working with such a great group of guys that uh, have sac. All of us have sacrificed so much over the last couple of years of primary development on the project that uh, yeah, I it just becomes one of those situations where you're just blessed to be working with the people around you. And once you realize that uh, you can start taking better advantage of your situation and that's, I guess where we're at now, we're at a point where the team and I have developed something that we believe, we believe it's going to be groundbreaking in a few different ways. But I guess moreover, um, it's definitely a group effort, but being such a small group of individuals, I think it's really going to impress people when they see it. It's not going to be your average, like what we started out. and nothing against these type of games at all. I'm a huge fan of a lot of them. But the 2D platformers and the isometric uh, tower defense games, there's so many guys, like we discussed earlier, that are doing it so well. You know, Ori and so on and so forth, uh, Meat Boy. Just to name a couple, um, we didn't want to stick our necks out in an area we didn't feel confident we would be able to distinguish ourselves. And with such a bold storyline backing the game, real aliens, first time ever done in games, we realized we also had to stick our neck out and do something that was way different for an indie studio. And that was a, you know, a triple I as we call it or a triple A-esque endeavor where it's a first person shooter with all the bells and whistles, volumetric lighting, ray tracing, you know, 4K graphics, on and on and on and on, which made our difficult job much more (laughs) difficult um, over the last couple of years. But we've achieved, I think, a little bit of a a, a small fraction of greatness so far. And I think that if we can get the communities behind us, we're, we're gonna do something really special
1: yeah and that's where even coming on this podcast you're you're looking at the the ufo community you know ufologists and they don't have to be a fan of gaming but for nope. you if they're not a fan of games and they're not looking to pick up the game liking it sharing it retweeting it liking it on facebook talking about it it's another platform you mentioned dave partridge shadows of your mind magazine earlier as well where you've got an interview coming out that's next right. in the next couple of weeks and that too it's sharing this on different platforms that it's just not it's not another documentary it's not another movie it's not another tv show it's not another podcast it's a game and there's not a lot of those out there so it's another way to push forward you said it right at the start disclosure and it's just something else to add to that i always talk about that massive file of evidence and weight of testimony and here's something else that lends a genuine credibility to the whole argument and discussion as well Um, and really importantly to bring it back to what you said about the youth that this is something that you know, little kids and big kids alike can get into and get very different things from as well, which is which is really really important. I want to come back as well, and we'll talk just at the end how we, how people can pick it up or in future. There's no Kickstarter yet, but there's going to be one soon if people want to contribute. But I want to ask you, Jim, first before we get there, you mentioned you had your own experiences previously, and that's something I'd love you to talk about on the podcast as well.
0: Yeah, so for me personally, this has been kind of a, a long-term crusade, I guess, because my first experience, I didn't realize I'd even had it until much later in life. Um, I believe I was five or six years old. We were living in a farm just outside of a small town called St. Paul, Alberta, um, and I thought I had seen a plane or a missile flying over our house as a youngster, but very low and relatively slow-moving uh, plane or missile, which later, you know, having grown up near the Cold Lake Air Base, the Air Force Base, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. The more I revisited the memory, the more it didn't make any sense at all, seeing a smooth, shiny object moving slowly over our house, maybe a few hundred feet off the ground. But having such a powerful memory of it that I remember specifically, it was so low and so large in my view scope or my, you know, my eyes as a child um, that I fell back on my back onto the grass, and as it passed overhead, I just kind of watched it go by. Fast forward 27 years uh, to November of 2017, late November, um, late evening. And I'm in my backyard just enjoying a beautiful, crisp night in the uh, wintertime here in Canada. It gets quite crisp and quite dark. And uh, I was about to head in to watch a movie with my wife. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a black patch of uh, movement across a a bluish, dark blue sky. Um, So it caught my eye and I kind (coughs) of stopped and looked over in its direction well, no sooner than I had focused fully on the black patch, kind of wondering, what was I even looking at? It lit up like something I've never seen in any movie or game or in reality since or before. And shot off into the distance at such a speed that you lost sight of it within a second or so, just over a full second, like a 1,000 count. And it was just gone, like kilometers away. Um, I, I don't even know if I was actually making out the ship at that point or if I was seeing something else because it had moved that fast. Um, a couple minutes later, I'm still standing there in awe, wondering whether I should get my camera, whether I should call my wife up, whether, you know, what's, what's going on. And a 747 appears to fly in the general vicinity of where this thing had ascended to off the ground or what it looked to be off, moving off of the ground. So it was a very interesting encounter so what i had ended up doing was later that night once we'd finished watching the movie i'd stayed up late um and i want to log the uh event on mufon on their official channels so i did my my uh event log and went to bed and the next morning i i guess for um selfish reasons almost, just to see my post on MUFON's website, I guess, is what I was looking for. It shocked me to see that there were seven or more other reports from Edmonton and area, vastly more detailed than what mine, my encounter was, uh, reporting that these things had been crisscrossing the sky in what appeared to be a search pattern over top of the river valley. And there were dozens and dozens of witnesses um, to this event where they would hover in the sky for up to 30 seconds, a minute in some cases, shoot off a couple of kilometers and stop and do the same thing. And over and over. And there was multiples of these UAPs seen that night. So it was an interesting event for sure, because what I saw was very powerful to me. um, But what apparently was seen by others was far more impressive in its nature so I was I was that's what kind of that was one of the events that solidified my um my goal to get this into a game when we realized that this is a real phenomenon it's never been done before in gaming and we could do some damage you know in a good way um, <laughs> um by doing this proper justice I think that you know by helping the disclosure movement access another, you know, few hundred million potential ufologists in the gaming community that are typically unaware of the reality of ufology and the study of UAPs. Um, I thought it was a well worthwhile endeavor and something that might, you know, put a little stamp on the history books for myself is actually doing something to help further the discussion in a positive way, right? Uh, I absolutely. Think that was kind of a my noble goal, if if there was one behind this project. Besides, obviously, monetary gain from the game would be nice, but the main goal behind it eventually became, you know, this is something I could do for the kids, and not only my children but children to yet to come to get them involved in a positive way and question the reality of what this you know what their reality actually is what new
1: entails absolutely and you've got your kid in the background there and that's the generations you're looking to inspire and yeah. i've talked to as well i've got a little boy and it's funny you mentioned the god conversation because he's just started school and he had that in the car that i saw god on tv in school and he that he created the world did you know that and i my own opinion is it's more you know et or something else going on and you know without having a massive argument with a 40 year old version of myself (laughs) that's what was kind of going back and forward so i I, I can totally get that as well but i think it that is really cool that you're going after that market that because that is a huge huge piece of do you know what even if they don't quite get it now these are the people in 10 years sure. time, 15 years yep. time that are going to be voting, that are going to be hitting positions of power, you know, working their way up in various different channels. And no doubt things like Twitch, YouTube and whatever platforms come along after that, or even more future game developers, movie makers, producers, TV execs, right. they're yep. going to have had those experiences and be more exposed to it. And, you know, hopefully things come out a lot more, a lot more information, we're hoping, sooner than later but if it's if it still takes that time and process it is like you say something that's definitely worth doing i'd i'd love to know your opinion before we wrap up on you've had those experience
0: you're
1: you're well vested in ufo's and ufology and you know you said you're a bit of an alien nut what do you think is going on what what is happening
0: well i'm not one of those doom and gloom guys everyone thinks that because the game is uh Post apocalyptic, well, partially apocalyptic. We drop the player right in the middle of the alien, the initial gray invasion, and let them have, you know, go at ham from there and explore the universe. But it, the game itself is quite dark. It's like a, the diametric opposite, I guess, of my true beliefs. Um, and the reason I believe that they're not, for surely not all malevolent is the sheer fact that we're still here um i believe firmly as some of the you know greatest minds that i think i've ever studied this field like benjamin rich and jonathan lear and you know on and on guys way greater than myself um they all believe the same thing that if you have the ability to travel through space and time or possibly even interdimensionally. um we, we, you know, we've yet to discover fully. And again, we, we tend to discuss the subject matter as if it's one race, when in reality, it's most likely similar situation to where humanity is going to be in 100 or 1,000 years, where we're off in the universe, we're scientists and explorers, um, and we're going to encounter life forms that are, quite frankly, in the same position we were 1,000 or 14,000 years ago sapiens or homo sapiens or something variation of you know some variant of that nature where we can actually understand them well enough that it would benefit us greatly it'd be a study of evolution right or not necessarily our own evolution but evolution in general which would one could beg to argue that this would be one of the greatest scientific journeys ever made by humans to kind of rediscover the actual reality behind evolution are we You know genetically engineered are we um did we evolve here or maybe on another planet even are we transplants of some sort uh you know the if you if you go into as far back as like the sumerian and anunnaki encounters maybe maybe some of that is partially the truth where we you know we were martians literally at one point in time and a great war causes to be transplanted here We don't claim to know any of those answers. What we do claim is that we've got enough evidence where we can say for sure two things. One, humanity is far older than we're taught in the textbooks. And two, the reality of where we fit in this universe is far more exciting than we could have ever realized and possibly even ever written about. I think it's going to hold true that Reality is far stranger than fiction, and I think once we start uncovering some of these truths, it's going to be a whole reinvigoration for the next generations down the line, where we aren't going to be stuck in cubicles and working on, you know, uh, server farms and Monday. AI is going to take over all that crap, and we're going to be focusing on the real big questions. Are we alone in this universe? Where do we fit in in this universe? What is our future in this universe? And others, potentially, right? Like the bigger, even bigger questions, multiverse questions, um, quantum paradox, the whole bit. And I think that's the future that end of the beginning is trying to kickstart a little quicker than not, because I must the firm of the same thing at Elon Musk, um, it has to happen now, it has to happen soon, otherwise it's too late, because we are heading down a very dark path. Anyone with any eyes in their head, and I think education beneath their belt, can see that we aren't heading down a very good path right now. Um, The government government can't be trusted. We've known this for years. There has to be a different form of governance. Um, And I think that it's no longer up to us. Like we're far too old, like I'm 34, 40. We're dinosaurs now. I think it's going to be up to our, you know, our younglings that are going to have the boldness to, they they aren't so ingrained in the system where they feel shackled. Like if you do the wrong move, you could ruin your career, this, that, and the other thing. And I guess that's kind of where, in a sense, I'm sticking my neck out personally. And that's where I'm not asking the team to do it. I'm asking myself and myself exclusively to do this sticking my neck out personally and saying, aliens are absolutely real. If you don't believe in them, that's fine. But there's enough evidence, readily available evidence, that it would stand its weight in court of law and see its day in court if it was ever to be given the opportunity. And that's where we're at. We're, We're trying to give people access to information that is difficult to get to and it's been buried under bureaucracy, red tape, and government politics for decades in order to basically allow for a maintenance of power, a power structure that exists right now that sh- should not exist. And it goes all the way back to, you know, guys like Nikola Tesla fighting for free energy up against the the, the powers that be with Thomas Edison and his groups. Um, with much deeper pockets able to convince the public that through horrific demonstrations such as burning elephants in the middle of New York Times Square, um, using alternating current technology which as we all know one the one day we use a mixture of direct current only to get to a state of alternating current to distribute energy now so Nikola Tesla was right um, and it comes. Full back circle with guys like uh, Edward Snowden, Bob Lazar, Gary McKinnon, all of whom I believe have been vindicated somewhat. That they weren't just selling smoke and mirrors, and they weren't in it for the fame. In fact, most of these guys now have really rough lives because of it.
1: Yeah, Gary McKinnon and Edward Snowden don't have the best time of things. Like, yeah, poor
0: guys, right? I mean, I don't know if Gary can leave Scotland. And Edward, I believe, you know, where is he? Where, you know, where's Waldo? Is he in Russia? Is he in Switzerland? His reports he's all over the place. But the point is he's not coming back to America. Not anytime soon. Not in not unless he wants to be in handcuffs and sent to jail. Right. And that's what it really takes almost is people that are willing to say, you know what, I got nothing left to lose. Or I don't have, in my case, maybe enough to lose that it's not worth the while, worth the effort to actually try and make a disclosure rather. And doing it in a way that almost utilizes the powers that be who have been trying to hold the secret, use their own technology against them for the first time. We're using the internet, we're using video game technology, and they've used it to indoctrinate and enslave a lot of us. Or that's been that we believe that's been a significant portion of the effort to keep this under wraps in order to maintain a semblance of power, power structure. And it's going to take a lot more people to stick their necks out there and say, you know what, this is real, it has to be taken seriously. And if that means that I give up my career to do it, that's so be it.
1: Well, Jim, the game itself isn't due for release until next year, 2021, or is that right? Or
0: That's that's right. We're, we're aiming at late 2021 for um, the console version of it and mid-2021, hopefully, for the PC version. So that's why we're, we're going to be launching our Kickstarter campaign here <coughs> within the next few weeks. And uh, we're going to be offering players... Um, rather than eventually getting a copy of the game, we're going to be offering them right off the bat people who are going to be backing us, we're going to be offering them immediate access into the pre-alpha play testing and development testing circles onwards, all the way through through fruition, which is unusual. Usually you start around the beta yeah. stage, um, but we, we thought that because we can, we're going to. We're just going to give them really early access from the get going. That way we can get a lot of really great feedback from both the ufology community and the gaming community combined this in terms of what's missing from the story, what what things um would they like to see? What gameplay futures would they like to see? Um, and that way they can really have uh, a part in the development. Because a lot of people, a lot of studios talk about their crowd being part of the development process but we really want to make the crowd part of the development process and that's again the bold nature of the project itself we it's so original and so unique we figured you know why not open up the floodgates let's see let's see what the community and we can develop as a studio together um and see if we can champion disclosure at the same time awesome all of you unique vehicles
1: Uh, that's been great talking to you jim and 2021 late 2021 you are looking at end of the beginning there'll be a standard and area 51 edition if it wasn't cool already there's an area 51 edition of a game so look (laughs) forward to that coming out jim it's been great speaking with you
0: yes thank you so much for having us i really appreciate it
1: anytime Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, UAP, And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
0: It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing face for the Parliament of... Out of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a him. I meditated game faithful on Meta. Can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz... I nearly kissed myself, and then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed, and there was something on my head, and everything was weird, and everything was red. I helped up my boys; they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems, and they think I should see therapy. And I don't know what it is, because it doesn't really scare me.